0: To the Father except me.
1: Bible Club, e- e- eternal life. He is the way, and He's Jesus Christ's Chip. Nobody comes to the Father
2: except through me. He is the way, and He's Jesus Christ. Chip. Nobody comes
0: to the Father except through me. He is the way, and He's Jesus Christ. Chip. Nobody the father
2: exact through me he is the way and he's jesus christ he's jesus. wow what a what a song what a song i lost my thoughts but hey welcome to huge pop wrestling podcast today we have a guy who is a father we have a guy he's a man of god he is he is a foster parent a man after my heart he is the founder of the bible club he is from cwf johnny lawless how you doing today my friend
0: Oh, too blessed by the Lord to be stressed by the world. You know what I'm talking about? That's right. That's
1: right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. How, are,
0: how are y'all doing tonight?
1: Good. Better than I deserve.
2: Yeah, it's better Amen. than I yeah. Good. Come I'm on. good. I, you know, like I said earlier, I, this is like a self-care moment for me. And, um, anytime I can talk to you guys from CWF is a blessing for me. So, uh, I just am thoroughly enjoying my, uh, the last three interviews and, um, I look forward to going further with you guys and, uh. I just thank you and now your, your promotion and man, someday I'm going to get out there to see you guys. So
0: man, it's a, it's a blessing to be here and man, it'll be a blessing to have you out sometime. Come on.
2: All right, man. I will do that. So what was the moment you decided that you wanted to become a wrestler and what made you love wrestling, man?
0: Man, uh, I'll, I'll answer those in reverse actually. Um, I fell in love with wrestling at about the age of 11. Uh, I I was a homeschool kid in Texas, so I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling, but I had a half brother who lived with his mom and uh, my parents were going through a divorce. And I showed up at his house, I think it's 1998. And he had the Royal Rumble on, and man, I sat down, I'm like, I'm not allowed to watch this, but I tuned in and man, I fell in love with wrestling, watching that right then and there. And uh, uh, I, I think the reason I fell in love with it, you know, as a kid, you, you go to bed when you're told, you eat whatever is cooked for you. You don't have a lot of say or control, but around 11 or 12, you really start coming into that longing for, for control of your life. And, um, you know, especially with my parents going through a divorce, I realized, man, I, I just felt ho- helpless in my life, but I, I saw these images of these over the top giant character men taking matters into their own hands. And it was just really cool to be able to vicariously live through that. And that that's what made me fall in love with wrestling. As far as uh what made me want to become a wrestler, I uh, I've been an athlete my whole life and you might find this surprising, but uh before wrestling, I spent 18 years as a figure skater. <laughs> That and, is surprising. Uh, yeah. I
1: don't
0: I don't know wow. what it says about me that every sport I've ever been involved in, I had to wear tights. You do with that what you will.
1: <laughs> but it's just
2: that, a there. Fact. that right there. That'll sit right yeah. there.
0: <laughs> but it's just a fact of what happened. But uh, I was a figure skater for 18 years. I, I spent 16 of that uh, pursuing a spot on Team USA and I ended up never becoming an Olympian. Uh, we take the top three to uh, at nationals, we take them the worlds and the Olympics um next couple teams down are alternates i like to tell people i was an olympic alternate though i got ninth however if six people broke their legs i would have been there (laughs) but uh yeah after retiring uh so 16 years trying to be on team usa then i spent two years with disney on ice and uh when i retired from skating as a whole uh there, there was that athletic competition hole left in me and uh uh, I'd always loved wrestling. My brother had done some MMA, same brother who introduced me to wrestling. And uh, I said, all right, I want to train in either MMA or pro wrestling. And before my days are done, I want at least one wrestling match or one MMA fight under my belt. And I remember watching my brother get knocked cold out. And I said, "I think I'll try wrestling." <laughs> 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 I think I would have loved training for MMA. I think I would have really enjoyed the, the, the grind and the dat. but that first real kick to the temple, or that first well-placed punch to the jaw, I think I would have rethought my decisions. And eight years later, uh, still in wrestling, I think I made the right choice.
2: Absolutely, man. After seeing Portier get kicked in the head on Saturday, he got knocked up, he got knocked up pulled. And that was yeah. that didn't look like anything fun that I wanted to do. So no. So yeah, I gotta ask you, all. I gotta ask you, what Disney character were you, at, were you at Disney on Ice?
0: All right, that's a funny story. So uh, there you go. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm fairly Caucasian, uh-huh. and uh, I was actually uh, skating with my ex-wife at the time. She was my pair partner, and she was Japanese Filipino. So we figured maybe Pocahontas and John Smith, maybe Aladdin and Jasmine, uh, but we we sent in our audition tape. They sent us back, we're interested in hiring you, but we want to see you live because they want to make sure it's not an old tape and you put on a bunch of weight and you can't perform yeah. like that anymore. Right. So uh, they met us live, they watched us skate, and they said, hey, we want to offer you a lead role in this new uh, uh, section of a sh- brand new show we're doing. Uh, we want to offer you the lead role in Princess and the Frog. Oh. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Princess and the Frog. I am. I don't, <laughs> I don't exactly <laughs> look the part. So I'm sitting here confused. And I'm just like, Princess and the Frog. And they keep talking, my ex-wife and the casting director. And I, I'm just like, wait, how's that going to work? So I raised my hand like I was in eighth grade. And she was like, uh, yeah, Johnny, you have a question? I said, yeah, you said Princess and the Frog? She said, yeah. And I go, um, if you don't mind me asking, weren't, weren't they African-American? And she said, um, yes, they were. But we want you and Mariah to play the fro- Princess and the Frogs once they turn into the frogs. And I went from confused to insulted. Because at first I was like, well, am I going to wear a mask? Am I going to wear makeup? Because I'm not going out there in blackface. You can't pay me enough to do that. Uh, I, I know better. I'm not doing it. And then she said, but you're going to be a frog. And I'm like, oh, green face? Um, <laughs> now, now I just sit there and I'm like, you know, for 16 years, I spent six hours a day, six days a week trying to, be the, trying to become an Olympian. And you want me to go out there in green spandex? And in my head, I was like, no, I'm not doing it. She slid the contract over, and I said, "Yeah, that says sixteen hundred a week. Is that each?" She said, "Yeah," and I go, "Yeah, I'll be a frog," and I signed (laughs) that thing quicker than a hiccup, man. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. wow,
1: yeah. I spent
0: two years as Prince Naveen in frog form. (laughs) Wow, that's a good
1: story,
0: man.
2: Cool, that's a good story. Mm -hmm. Uh, What wrestling do you currently watch, if any?
0: Man, uh, so I'm a lifelong WWE guy. Even when I started uh, watching in 98, uh, WCW was still around. It was still hot. Um, but I watched it a couple times. I was like, not for me. So I, 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 I saw Stone Cold and all them, fell in love. And uh, I regret it now because I go back historically and watch WCW, and I wish I watched it live. But um, to this day, I still watch WWE very regularly. Um, uh, I kept up with TNA for a long time, from their early days right. all the way – through the Hogan Bischoff and even post that where their core was Lashley and Angle. And uh, you, you had a now known as LA Knight, Eli Drake at the time. Um, and uh, uh, it, it, was, it was a great product then. And once that core group, AJ and them all kind of left, it, it, it kind of died down. Um, I've watched a lot of AEW, um, lots of clips, lots of matches. Besides when they were in Dallas and I went to a show, I've never watched an entire episode if I'm being honest, but I've kept up with them. Uh, Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, I kept up with Ring of Honor and all that. Um, But uh, at the end of the day, the more major companies out there, the more work there are for the boys and girls in the locker room, so it's great for business. There's just so much to keep up with when you're a dad and a husband and a pastor. That's a yeah. lot of hours to keep up with every week. But uh, WWE, I've, I've, I've always been a loyal watcher, fan, kept up with the product.
2: Awesome. So we're going to touch base on that later on Very in cool. the show.
1: Very cool. But, um,
2: yeah, you're right. There's so much out there. And one of the biggest things that um, I know Rico and Nikki and I talk about is uh, I wish fans were more like just let's watch this stuff instead, oh, of, compl- yeah. instead of complaining about this stuff. Try to, oh, yeah. Instead of instead of being Dave Meltzer or or yeah. whoever you want to be, critic, just watch, be a fan. Watch this. There's yeah. so much. There's so much. You know, and and yeah. So I agree with you there. So um, what inspired the ring name, my guy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, this is probably going to be the uh, the highlight of the interview because this this is a funny story, and I don't tell it unless I'm asked, but I'd never lie about it. Um, mm-hmm. So growing up a wrestling fan, me and my, my friends, we'd do backyard stuff and, you know, try to powerbomb each other into the pool and all that. And uh, uh, then the video games came out and we had Xboxes and Playstations and we'd make our own characters and have our own storylines and all that. Never thought we'd be wrestlers. Two of us turned out to be later in life. But um, uh, I was living in California at the time. So everyone, you know, nicknamed me Texas. So I made my character Johnny Texas. And. Uh, Texas Longhorn colored gear and the game and all that. We got to create our move sets. Then I moved back to Texas and I actually become a wrestler. And uh, if you live in Texas and you're not the most Texas person alive, you can't call yourself Johnny Texas. And I thought, well, I just moved here from California. Maybe I'll be Johnny Hollywood Harris. Well, I'm not. I, I, you see, I don't look very Hollywoodish. I got crooked teeth, a bald head. I look like a redneck. So I was like, all right. Well, I'll go back to that Texas gimmick. Maybe I'll be the outlaw Johnny Harris. Mm
1: -hmm. And then
0: I I discovered across uh, across looking at different stuff on the indies, just how many people call themselves the outlaw so-and-so, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. Namely, here locally in the Dallas area, uh, one of my dear friends, the outlaw Randy Wayne, who's now in the Carolinas. Um, But uh, I was like, all right, well, I still want to go with this Texas gimmick, and I like the outlaw thing, but how can I – still come across as an outlaw without calling myself the outlaw Johnny Harris. And I was like, well, what are outlaws? They're, uh, they're lawless. And then I thought of a show I was a fan of when I was a kid in the nineties called Xena warrior princess. Yes. Starring a woman named Lucy lawless. And I was like, Hey, lawless is a real last name. I'll go with it. Long story short. I named myself after Xena warrior princess. That's proof.
2: I'm, I'm gonna clip. I'm gonna clip, that. I'm, gonna clip I'm gonna clip that. segment right there, and I'm gonna put that on TikTok. All right. You're gonna go viral.
0: <laughs> I act like this big tough redneck cowboy, and I name myself after Xena Warrior Princess. And
2: that's what I'm gonna type. I'm gonna
1: title
0: the, the TikTok video Xena Warrior. <laughs> but facts are facts, so. <laughs> facts are facts. Yeah.
1: Nikki, do No, I was gonna say I res, I respect your transparency there. Well, really do, because not many people would share that. As a so, pastor,
0: I've I got to tell the truth.
1: <laughs> amen. Amen. Right. So um, one question I have is, did you start, because you spent all of that time figure skating and trying to make it to Team USA is, yeah. um, I don't think a lot of people realize all the work and how physical and the toll that took on your body um, yeah. to spend, you said it was how many years?
0: A uh, total of 18 years on the ice. Yeah.
1: Okay, so 18 years. That's a lot. That's a lot of yeah. wear and tear, and and to go in and compete at that level. So when you when you went and you segued into professional wrestling, how hard was it for you? Because wrestling, even though you know it's it's entertainment and everything, there's still a, a high level of physicality to it. Oh yeah. So was it hard for you? I mean, I got to imagine you you probably had issues maybe, um, you know, with your legs from all of the jumps. Maybe – who knows? Because I've never skated. But sure. was it hard for you? Did you have any of those aches and pains and old injuries that carried over to the ring, and how did you deal with that?
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, my knees were shot from, from skating. From day one, stepping in the ring, I had these big old uh, – stone cold style knee braces Mm -hmm. um so yeah my knees were shot uh i i didn't realize that it had already had damage on my back and shoulders wrestling definitely pointed that out you know uh, Mm -hmm. i remember about my second year in i'd complain to people like oh you haven't even been doing this that long and i'm like yeah man but but now eight years in between 18 years of ice skating and eight years of wrestling i've been torturing my body for a quarter century 25 Mm -hmm. years i've been Just breaking my body down and uh, it's starting to fight back. Um, My knees are in better shape than they've ever been, uh, except my right ones giving me trouble right now just because I, uh, in the ring, I I suffered a fractured heel and I was walking on it funny for three months because I'm a genius and decided not to go to the doctor and just wait it out. Uh, So that made me walk funny on it. Now my knees uh, grumpy. Um, I take better care of myself than I did when I was in my 20s. I, I used to party a lot. If I wasn't training, I was partying. And, uh, I, you know, you're young and you, your metabolism is great, so I, I didn't eat the best. Um, now I, I've, I've got my diet on lockdown. I'm in the gym every day. Uh, so I actually feel great. But when I step out of bed, I hurt. Uh, if, if I wrestled what? Saturday night and I walk into church, people are like, you have a match last night? I'm like, oh, yeah, were you there? And they're like, no, I can tell by the way you're walking, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, my, my wife sees me in pain and she sees me managing it best I can. And she asked me, you know, how much longer are you going to do this wrestling thing? Maybe it's about time to stop. And uh, uh, we had a referee here. He's been a, a police officer for 33 years now. And uh, he's had multiple knee surgeries, multiple back surgeries. Uh, he was a big bodybuilder back in the 80s and 90s. And um, I could tell if he got down to count of three and he jumped back up at, you know, after they kicked out at two, I could tell it hurt. And I asked him, Stacy, why do you, why do you still do this? You know, it clearly, it hurts. And he said, well, because God called me to serve in this ministry and the way I see it, since I was called to do it, as long as my body will allow me to do it, I should do it. And he said, I mean, Christ put his body up for sacrifice for me. I can put my body up for sacrifice for him. And that, that always, that always, uh, uh, rung heavy with me. I never forgot when he told me that. And, um, I was talking to my pastor. Uh, I'm the children's pastor at my church. I talked to our senior pastor and his wife. And she said, that reminds me of something uh, a pastor once said I saw. And uh, he said, do you know why? They said, you know, you're 73. Why are you still preaching? And he said, well, do you know why the sun rises and sets in the evening and the moon rises in the evening and sets right before morning? Because God told them to. And you know why they still do it? Because he hasn't told them to stop.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh,
0: I I would rather show up to heaven with a battered body and get a brand new one and say, man, I, you know, it's like trading in a car with a lot of miles. I got my money out of it and now I get a brand new one. And uh, yeah, so I'm willing, willing to beat up this body because I know where I'm going and there's a brand new one waiting for me. So, um, but as far as actually transitioning sport to sport, you know, you might think of going from like being a ballerina to a a MMA fighter, but really when you get down to it, I mean, They're both performance athletics. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it actually helped me catch on uh, a little faster than if I was maybe a football player. Because in football, you're really trying to murder that guy in front of you. In skating, I spent 18 years of my life learning how to move my body and use my movements to convey a story, to convey mm-hmm. m- emotion, whether it just be from a facial because I don't have a microphone to where I can tell them like, oh, I'm so in love with her. I have to do that with my movements or my facial expressions and I th- and, and also, you know, we learn body lines and body position. So for that, it was a pretty easy transi- uh, transition not to mention wearing tights so, you know, like yeah. I said that-
1: <laughs> Right I mean, and I think You also had a partner too so that's, that's right. something else that was helpful to you because you knew you already understood how to tell the story to an audience with a partner. Absolutely. Yeah. You had that.
0: And and you have to watch out. Like if I, if I'm lifting a girl over my head on the ice, my job is to make sure she comes down in one piece
1: Mm -hmm. and it's
0: in, wrestling. It's no different. You know, uh, we want to go out there. We want to put on a good show. Uh, we're, we're, it's not going to feel good because, you know, wrestling, we hate the F word fake but we if we don't like that word we got to go out there and make sure we give people a reason to not use it so we've got to put on the most physical match we can but my goal every time is to make sure my partner walks home that night in one piece and uh so yeah a a lot of it translated and when you're skating with a partner you do a lot of cross training and, and ballroom dance and ballet and stuff like that and uh yeah you learn to move and assist the other person with these movements and man that really fed into wrestling so yeah, I think I think it really gave me a bit of an advantage at the time.
2: I think my first guest from CUWF, uh, Mr. Hart, I think his name last name was. Um, mm-hmm. I asked about fake. I think he used during the analogy that you just did. He goes, "Yeah, if, if, if wrestling's fake, yeah, so is figure skating. So is a- mm-hmm. acting. We all are telling a story, and you know. So he used figure skating as an example of." Like you said, being in control of that lady up in the air, she has to come down in one piece. Yep. Sure, it's core and it's choreographed. You're wearing sure. t- You're wearing tights.
1: So figure Always. skating,
2: figure skating, and wrestling, it could be like compared to being, and if people wrestling fans say it's fake, so we can say, well, okay, choreographed maybe. But I'd like to. I bet you, if you were to tell a fan, maybe hit the ropes one time and tell me that doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I was just a fan at the time, but when I was with Disney on Ice, um, you know, I, everybody knew I was a wrestling fan, and there was this uh, other skater, and he used to make fun of me for watching wrestling, and he'd say, oh, that's just fake fighting, and, um, and he, he'd make fun of me for watching it, and I remember asking him one time, I said, hey, you used to compete in skating, yeah? And he said, yeah, and I said, but now you do shows, right, and he said, yeah, I said, all right, so when you go out there every single night, and you do your triple Lutz, are you faking that triple Lutz? And he said, no, I'm still hitting it. I go, right, but it's not in competition, right? Yeah. You're not really doing it in competition, but you're not faking it. You're, you know what the next choreography is going and what the, is going to be and what the other guy is going to do. Nothing about that is fake. It's choreographed. Now it's just for entertainment, not competition, but it ain't fake. You know? So, yeah, 100%. J, JT, uh, uh, Ryan Hart, he, he knocked it out of the park with that analogy. Yes. yes also, so- he got it from me.
2: well well, let's be honest jt is your biggest fan
0: i love him he's a very good friend of mine
2: and he loves the bible club i'm just gonna say
0: that in the in the ring we hate each other but outside the ring he's he's a great man of god and a great friend absolutely so
2: when you talk about training um let's talk about training for wrestling where did you train and how difficult was it you kind of hit on that and could we go through your training process? I guess where you were
0: first. Yeah, I, I've I've almost been uh, exclusively a CWF life, uh, lifer. Um, I wanted to train in wrestling, uh, as I told you, right around my right around the time I was about thirty years old. And uh, but starting at thirty and having spent eighteen years in a, a sport previously and not reaching my goals, I knew starting at thirty, if I wasn't DDP, I probably wasn't going to make it. So <laughs> I found a place about two hours away an hour and a half away that was training folks uh here in the metroplex out in fort worth and um i couldn't really justify pulling myself away from my my family and all that just to uh pursue something i wasn't going to pursue at the same level i pursued skating you know um and then i lived in this little suburb right here called rockwall texas and i was at the gym one day and i see this guy on elliptical and he has a shirt that said cwf had this exact logo on it and then I knew like, being a wrestling fan, it looked like a wrestling logo. So I Googled it and mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, Christian wrestling, you know, and I, I'm, I'm a believer, a follower of Christ. And, and I was like, man, that could be pretty cool. And then I found out they were in Rockwall, Texas. They were in my backyard. Yeah. So I, I reached out to Rob and I talked to him about wanting to train. Uh, and I, I imagined it was by Christian wrestling. It might've had Christian themes or storylines, but I imagined it was family friendly wrestling. And he starts telling me, oh, we've been around since 2000. We've had X amount of hundreds of shows and we've seen almost 21,000 people give their life to Christ. And I was like, whoa. I said, so this is an active ministry? He goes, yeah, that's ministry. why we do it. So I came to the very next show, I think it was a week and a half later, and I started training that Monday night. And wow. uh, it, it just, it blew me away that, that God was using the sport of wrestling to uh, uh, actually spread his word um so funny story as far as how my my uh uh, wrestling training started my fifth weekend and you know we're a small promotion so we don't train four or five times a week we 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 have an optional night on thursdays or we used to uh but we train every single monday so one night a week so this is my fifth week Mm -hmm. and uh it's our big anniversary show so we have michael tarver uh, Lodi from, from WCW Caprice Coleman. And then we have a few other guys, Ron Starr, uh, from Philly, uh, and, uh, uh, Scotty Matthews, Lodi's tag partner at the time. So I'm just surrounded by dudes I've seen on TV and guys who've been doing this for 25 years. And I've been in the ring five times. So Lodi's <laughs> running us through some drills and, uh, uh, I, I, he described one drill and I said, Hey, listen, if this sucks, uh, it, or if this isn't very good, it's because, you know, I, I still kind of suck. And, uh, 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 Ron Starr says, Man, you don't suck. You're just green. And, and Caprice is always cutting a promo, even if there ain't a, a camera around, if his mouth is moving, he's cutting a promo. So Ron <laughs> says, Yo, you're just green. And Caprice goes, Yeah, you're so green, you're still blue and yellow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I run a few drills. And at one point, Caprice pulls me aside. He goes, man, I can tell you're new, but I can tell you're an athlete. What was your sport? And I said, I I, I was a figure skater, an ice dancer. He said, figure skating? You mean like ice skating? I said, yes, sir. And he goes, oh, man, ice skating. Now, that's pretty. And I know all about pretty. I got a mirror at home. (laughs) So that, that same night, they're running us through one more drill, and they described the drill to me, and I said, okay. And the guy goes with whip me off, and I put my hand in his. Lodi goes, stop, stop, and he starts yelling, and I, I freak out. And I, this is a dude I've seen on TV, and he's yelling. He walks over to me, and he said, uh, this is probably where I got it. He goes, never feed someone your hand again. The second you feed them their, your hand, you give everyone in this audience a chance to call fake. If you want your hand, make him come for it. But before he did that, he walked over and slapped the crap out of my hand. I'm talking, like, insultingly hard mm-hmm. to where I was like, man, you could have just told me that. I don't even know you like that, you know? Uh, yeah, if you just yeah. said it, I would have said, yes, sir. And I was like, uh, okay. And I was thinking, that's unnecessary. I'll tell you this. Lodi came back to uh, CWF a year later. I shook his hand. I said, hey, man, that made me mad in the moment. But I to tell you. I ain't never fed nobody my hand ever again. Someone would mm-hmm. reach my hand, and I'd put it further away, like you coming for it. So, yep. <laughs> so nice. Yeah, but other than that, I've been training CWF my whole my whole career. This is this has been home. I've gone other places, but this has been home.
1: Mickey D. Well, I so I wanted to ask also the wrestling because I did it um, years ago, and I did yep. independent shows and everything, and got to work with people, and it's. I can imagine um, the CWF is different. The locker room's different than the locker rooms that I was in. So, but you still are as, as a follower of Christ. Okay. And this is a ministry. You still, Mm -hmm. you still have people coming to watch. Okay. And maybe not everybody that's coming to watch is safe. They could just be wrestling fans. So they could be yelling, whatever. So, you know, um, and again, as a Christian, you're called to be sanctified, right? set apart um is that a struggle for you to hear some of the things or to maybe to to be in a certain role especially to grow up watching wrestling that got a little more and more hardcore because you watched a lot of the same years that i did you know like going through the later parts of, of wcw and the later parts of of wwf or wwe in the attitude era where people would use you know profanity or whatever to get heat Right. Yeah. Or you would do something a little extreme to get over. Um, do you find it hard to 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 stay focused? Right. Because this is a ministry while you're in that moment, while you're in that ring, while you're while you're trying to tell the story and you're dealing with maybe, you know, a hostile crowd.
0: You know, luckily, you're absolutely right. Not everyone who comes to CWF is saved. And that's a cool part of how it's an, it's an effective ministry is uh you know as a follower of christ you might ask someone hey do you want to come to church with me this sunday and they might be like mm, that's not for me but you might want you might say hey do you want to come to a wrestling show with me and they'll go yeah i'll go watch wrestling and now yeah. they see it's cwf and I, I in the eight years i've been here i only think i've heard someone yell profanity at a, at a couple shows and you're like all right that guy that guy didn't get the memo um i have worked a lot uh it's funny uh, there, there's a, a wrestler who used to work with us a lot named uh Skip. Uh, he wrestles as a, a Phil Noir now. It's uh, so a shout out Phil Noir. Um, but he uh, he makes fun of me because I call uh, people call what we do Christian wrestling shows. Um, but because this is all I've ever done, when I go do indie shows, I always call them secular shows. You know? yeah. uh, <laughs> you know? and they all, they all <laughs> make fun of me. They're like, wait a second. <laughs> so uh, but, you know, I've done a lot of secular shows and, and um, you know, there's a. I I used to be very of the world, lots of partying, chasing girls, uh, profanity. Um, And uh, uh, I get over there and, you know, it might be easy to slide back in that and be like, oh, I'm just one of the boys in this locker room. I can let it go a little bit here. But what I remember is, number one, my gear has Bible Club written all over it. Number two, I'm friends with a lot of these guys on Facebook and they know this is the company I represent. So Mm -hmm. I don't just represent CWF when I'm at CWF. When I'm at Texoma Pro or I'm at SEW uh, or SWE, um, uh, I, I'm representing the CWF when I go there, too, uh, which means you, you're not going to hear profanity coming out of my mouth in that locker room because uh, that I, I'm representing Christ. I'm representing ministry. Uh, you're you're uh, not going to see me. Re- I, one thing I refuse to do at, at indie shows. If they want me to work heal, I do not do it in my Bible club gear. I work heal very well, but there might be non-believers who already have a less than enviable perspective on Christians. And if I go out there and heal it up, which could be effective, they're just yep. going to go, yep, those, those are those hypocritical Christians we, we were talking yep. about. So, you know, I, I don't uh, – and one, one thing I still do even at secular shows is that we do here is right before my match, I grab my ref, I grab my opponent, and we pray. And I always ask them, they might not be a believer, but I always say, hey, do you mind if we pray before we go out there? Um, So I I make sure no matter where I go, I represent Christ. And it's cost me some bookings. Uh, There was a company um, i worked for for about 18 months, uh, every single month. And they brought in a new booker. And a friend of mine who knew him well said, he ain't going to like your gimmick. He ain't going to like you preaching or, or praying in the locker room. I'd be doubtful if you ever get booked there again. And after he took over, I never got booked there again. But. I'd rather be forgotten on earth and remembered in heaven. So, it sure. it is what it is. But mm-hmm. uh, so no, it hasn't been much of a struggle. It's uh, uh, you know it's it's two separate separate worlds, I guess. But we're yeah. not called to be of this world.
2: Amen.
1: Very true. Right. We're not.
2: We're very true. So, so man, being a children's ministry, a husband, yeah. a foster dad, a wrestler. How do you juggle all that and make time? You got it. there's gotta be you better have a calendar, you better have a planner or something because I don't see it.
0: Yes, yeah. I have a very organized <laughs> wife. <laughs> uh,
2: praise the Lord. I have a there very organized wife over there, and she's there's probably why this is running, I to be honest with you. So
0: <laughs> um and you know, I, I God bless her. I, I probably shouldn't rely, uh, make her carry that burden as much as I do. Uh, but you know, people will be like, "Hey, uh, you free to come over for a barbecue on the 17th," and I'll be like, "Hold on, Hey, we free on the 17th." And you know, so yeah, uh, yeah I, I got to help carry that weight a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's 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 changing a little bit. Uh, you know, we've been we've been foster parents for three years uh, as of uh, two weeks ago, our first forever daughter moved in with us forever. Uh, she's with us full time. So we went from oldest kid who's ever been with us was two and a half. And now we have a nine-year-old. So that's huge. And 10 days after we found out we were getting to adopt Kiki, we found out we were pregnant. (laughs) So we got a newborn due in January In June. We got a nine-year-old, um, and, uh, praise the Lord. He's, uh, uh, we, we were involved in a, another ministry at the time, and just things started coming to an end there. Uh, it's called Apartment Life, and uh, we were serving, basically being on mission in the apartment complex we were living in, and that building sold, and they decided not to keep Apartment Life uh, as, as a vendor, and they didn't know where they're going to put us, and then we find out we needed a house because we were getting a nine-year-old and a baby and so we would also need more free time so the lord just closed that door and it looked like a bad thing but it just turned into like okay god i I see what you were doing there so um i do have a problem of if it's for the lord i say yes and unfortunately that that's gotten me to where i i uh, will overdo it and thank god that he knows that about me and has Mm -hmm. shut certain doors so that i have time for my family and these ministries. So I've, I've learned that sometimes the smartest thing you can do is is say no. Um, Other than that, man, if you know, that's another reason I don't really do secular bookings anymore. I I was doing one company for about 18 months and I felt like it rounded my skills a lot better. Got me used to working with people I hadn't worked with before. um, Made me a more more rounded performer. Um, But at this point, if, if it's if I don't get to grab a microphone and tell people about Jesus, whether it's a Christian show or not, man, I'm, I'm hard pressed to take that booking. You know, I'm 38. I'm not I'm not going to be on TV. I'm not going to be at WrestleMania. Uh, and my body, 25 years into being an athlete, is starting to fight back. So if, if it's not for spreading the word of God, I, I can't really justify doing it. But that being said, there are Christian companies in the Carolinas, Atlanta, Mississippi, uh, gone up to michigan uh, uh tulsa oklahoma if i get to do it for the glory of god man yeah i'll i'll, I'll find a way I'll, I'll get there and i'll put on a match and i'll grab the microphone and i'll read you some bible verses and cut a sermon um but that that's just what i feel like the lord has brought me to wrestling and wrestling to me for
1: awesome nicky d man i was gonna say i because when i was in it um it was michigan and then i went to wisconsin Okay. Um, Indiana. I did a lot of the surrounding, kind of in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, I don't remember ever running into a Christian organization. Now it's not that I was necessarily, I I made a profession of of receiving Christ, right? Like we did when I was 13, but I wouldn't say that I was living that way, but there were things that were happening where God was telling me to get out of the business, but that was plan A. There was no plan B for me. Like that was it. Um, but it's funny that you talk about that because I can remember all those years um, that I was in it and all the shows that I did. There was only one time that I actually prayed with somebody in the locker room and and I wasn't the one who initiated it. He asked oh, wow. me if we could pray to go out there. So when you say that, it just makes me think like, oh my word, you know, and there was just, it, it was all the, the secular wrestling. But anyway, um, I, I just... You were, you were talking about that. I wanted to come back to that because I think that's amazing. Um, so the secular shows, when you were doing those, okay, and you mm-hmm. and you said CWF is your home. Yes. What is it? What was it kind of like night and day? Because I don't know what it's like to be in a... First off, I didn't even know there was a Christian wrestling organization in Michigan. If there were, oh my word, I would have... <laughs> I would have been all over that. But was it like night and day to, to be in those locker rooms? Because I know the locker rooms and I know how they are and, and the jokes and, and all the things that are said. But then you have a Christian one, obviously, that's a ministry. Um, right. Is it hard? And again, I've asked you this. This is kind of the same question I've asked you earlier. But like you said, they're not putting a mic in your hand here. OK, when right. you're in the ring, you're not able to go out there and, and share the gospel and, and give an invite when you're in the locker room, that's kind of a chance where you can do that. Is it tough when you're doing that? You said you don't do that many anymore, and I get that. But when you were doing the secular shows, is it kind of tough to be in that environment, but to still be you? Uh,
0: no, that part wasn't really tough. Um, you know, it, it's definitely like you mentioned, it, it, it is a whole other beast. Uh, you know, you got people before or after their match, you know, slamming a beer and, or uh, uh, cussing up a storm and uh, just to make sure you don't fall into that and you just make sure you, you are visibly and audibly set apart. And not to where you're not you're like, oh, I, I'm too good to talk to that guy. He said the F word. Uh, no, I'm still going to talk to that guy. I'm still going to love on him. Um, uh, the company I was working for, Charlie Haas, was uh, a regular there. Mm. And it's funny you mentioned uh, people using uh, uh, profanity to, to get heat and man charlie would just go off and and he would drop a bunch of you know f-bombs and whatever the funny part was he is such an effective heel me and you know i i didn't know him as well as everyone else but a lot of people are like charlie you you, they already hate you. you you don't need to you know be cutting uh you know dropping that kind of language they you're over man um but uh yeah, just no, I didn't feel uncomfortable there. I made sure not to uh, uh, fall into it, but I was still conversing with everybody. Um, being a pastor, being a foster dad, I, anytime I'd bring that kind of stuff up, oh, what do you do for work? Oh, now I'm a mechanic at Mighty Key. What do you do? Oh, I'm a children's pastor, you know, and now I get to share a little bit of Jesus with them or yeah, actually, uh, do you have kids? Yeah, I got three kids. Oh, I got a foster daughter. You know, we do that because my wife and I felt like the Lord and now I'm sharing my testimony with them. Nice. Um, nice. and uh, that would sometimes lead into being able to pray with these guys. And, and, you know, I've worked in secular jobs for so long that I, I've always found little sneaky ways to bring up the gospel and, Hey, maybe that's the only time that person might hear the name of Jesus that day. So just plant a seed here and there when you can. Uh, but as far as feeling uncomfortable there, uh, no, I, I uh, you know, you talked about uh, believing and professing your relationship with Christ, but not following it, man. There was a decade of my life where I was chasing the world. I never denounced God, but he was on the backest of burners. I was chasing girls. I was chasing uh, party life. I was chasing booze uh i was not living for him at all so i'm not uncomfortable in that situation i've been these guys so that makes me one comfortable around them but also be like well then you know they i've been them and i needed to hear the word of god so these are the guys who need to be loved on and shown grace and encouraged so that's what i'm going to do for the time that i'm here Mm -hmm.
1: awesome And and I love the fact that you
2: pray, you're the ref, and your partner, um, your opponent pray in the ring and stuff or outside the ring. And so that leads me to the question is, how important is the communication to make the match go as flawless, if you could use the word flawless, lawless? But um, you like that? (laughs) You like that? That's pretty funny. But anyway, back to my question. How does that, is that necessary to make this, that your match just go as smooth as can be?
0: yeah and you know that's the reason why i did 18 months of secular shows uh is because in cwf we've got such a small group here that i've wrestled the same guy 30 times i can get in the mat in the ring with uh barrett brown bam bam malone um, uh brixton shaw and if if we know the open and we know the go home man we can call it all out there Mm -hmm. but then i would get really nervous if someone would come to town to visit cwf and i've never worked them before and i want to map out every single spot and that's why people were encouraging me, go work some other places, get used to working with people you've never worked with because you're going to meet guys you've never worked with who don't want to call every single spot. And sure. I had to get used to that because I had that insecurity of, oh, I've only wrestled CWF. These guys know what they're doing. I don't want to make them look bad. So I would be real nervous in those situations, real insecure. And uh, you know, they told me, Go get some reps with some other guys and and so i've really gotten used to even if i've never worked with you before at least asking what are some stuff you like to throw in cool i'm familiar with that or can you tell me what that is go out there call it in the ring but yeah communication's key um if if someone whips you goes to whip you off and they call a spot and you don't know what it is hold on to the rope and yep. say hit me and say it again <laughs> you know uh because I'm not gonna go up there expecting a knee to the gut and catch a drop kick to the face. And, uh, and oh. uh, it, it went wrong for me once. Here's why I communi- uh, one of the worst situations communication going wrong. Uh, my buddy, Sebastian Envy. What's up, Sebastian? Um, he, when I tell you strong style, whew, this guy prides himself on strong style. And the worst injury I ever got in the ring I was working with him, and yeah, he he'll smack you as hard as he can. But he's a very safe worker, very very competent in the ring, um, and uh, extremely sound. But he he kept talking about the spinning heel kick, and every time we walked through it backstage, he'd brush my chest as he as he goes spinning heel kick. So I expected it to go right here. Well, I don't know if he because he he's a smaller guy. He's about five foot six. I don't know if he put some extra stank on it because I'm six two. But his leg caught me right under the chin right here. Oh, no. And, man, you you know how you bump, right? And you attack yeah. the mat. I hit the mat super limp, and it's like hitting the mat woke me back up because I was unconscious. So we had a 15-minute match. I remember two minutes of it. One of the only moments I remember is I had him locked in a submission. I was the heel, so I'm, I'm yelling at the crowd. And you ever eat a hard-boiled egg but miss a piece of the shell and you take a bite and you feel the shell in your mouth? Yeah. I feel – I feel that in my mouth. And as I'm sitting here looking at the crowd, I'm thinking, I didn't need a hard boiled egg today. So I take my tongue, I fish it out of my gum, and I spit it out. It was a half of my molar oh,
1: that dang. he, had, when
0: he kicked me, cut my molar in half. And there's a picture of me spitting it out. Yep. The next spot I remember is I slide in the ring, and he's hunched over sitting in the corner. And I just think to myself, I have no idea where we are. Like I knew what, where we were but not in the match. Not I don't know what match. we just did, and I don't know what's next. So I pick him up, and with a question mark, I said, uh, suplex? Did he let me suplex him? <laughs> next thing I know, the ref's walking me through the, through the uh, curtain, and I end up in the locker room, and the lights hit my eyes, and I, I said, uh, is the match over? And they said, yeah. I said, did I win? And the ref goes, yeah. And I looked at uh, Sebastian's tag partner, and I said, did you hit me with your finish after the match? And he goes, yeah. And they go, Johnny, are you okay? And I said, I don't think so. I don't remember any of that, dude. The only reason I know what happened in that match is because I've seen the video, and it all happened because of miscommunication where he brushed my chest, but instead that foot came right up at my face. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Woo, I stopped mm-hmm. eating ice cream on this side of my mouth because that molar's missing and it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: man. Nikki. Oh my word. That The guy that I prayed with, you made me think about that. I lost part of my tooth when I I shot him into the corner and I ran in and he put his foot up and I thought he was going to like elbow me, his communication, and he put his foot up full force right in the, oh. and I felt that same thing. Like, what is that? And I spit it out and it was part of my tooth. They had to fix it before my wedding because I looked oh. <laughs> kind of goofy. See,
0: mine but, I was in the back, so I wasn't that worried about so it.
1: it. So it was kind of <laughs> hidden, yeah. <laughs> Um, but my question is so wrestling and even um what you do right now, okay, so even in the CWF, where there's um it's my understanding, it's just it's just the men that compete, right? Is there yeah. a female division, right? Okay, so it's just the guys? Okay. Yeah. Um, do you ever run into because we all have this from time to time, do you ever run into a situation where um the ego like there's an ego because everybody has one at some point you know that comes into play and you're going out there and you're telling a story and it is a ministry right Mm -hmm. but you're trying to do what you can that's that's the best thing number one for christ and you're trying to be a light but then when you're getting out there something goes wrong or whatever do you do you ever have an issue have you ever had an issue with that where there was like real heat i guess i should say if there was like any real heat with somebody
0: yeah. Um, two stories come to mind. Uh, the first one, it was actually it was it was my fault. Um, leading up to the formation of the Bible Club, we decided to do this this long extended storyline where I went on a losing streak. My tag partner turned on me. I went on a losing streak. And the funny part with that was uh, my idea was that I, I'd be so obsessed that he said I was a loser before him and I'd be a loser after him. And I just I couldn't stand that. I, I, I'm not a loser. I'm not a loser. And I thought the crowd would be like, oh, poor Johnny, because I was a face at the time. And they'd be like, oh, poor Johnny, you're not a loser. And they'd take sympathy on me, right? Mm -hmm. The first promo I cut where I was like, I'm going to prove that I'm not a loser. The crowd goes, you're a loser. (laughs) And the storyline took a whole different direction, (laughs) man. And it was supposed to last, the streak was supposed to last for three months. And it ended up, it was so over that I kept finding more and more ways to to, uh, obsess my way into another loss. That uh, after every show where it was supposed to end, the next show I'd go. Rob, can we do it one more show? Can we do it one more show? And we went eight or nine months where I didn't win a match, and wow. it it was it was a lot of fun. But uh, the 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 point was that it was supposed to culminate with the starting of the Bible Club. But another part of it was I was supposed to preach. At least the way I wrote the story was I was supposed to preach at the end of the next show after I you know the losing streak storyline came to an end. And Mm -hmm. I, I showed up and, uh, I I had my message prepared and I got there and Rob was like, all right, well, tonight after the show, this guy's going to preach. And I was like, what, what the heck? And I'm going to be honest. I, I, I had heat with Rob. I was upset with him. I was like, man, we built this for nine months and I had a message to preach to drive it home. And now we're doing this random What did we do this for? And I complained to somebody else uh, who's been here in a long, for a long time and, um, Eventually I realized, you know, I'm not handling this right. Uh, uh, This is Rob's company. It's his show. And at the end of the day, uh, I can make all the suggestions I want. Uh, But it's also about what's best to spread the word of God. And here I am, like, this was my story. And I wanted to be able to preach this message. And I actually had to go to Rob and apologize to him. I pulled him aside and I said, hey, uh, you know, I know you probably heard, but uh, I was really unhappy he had someone else preach uh, because I thought we were going somewhere with this. And uh, I, I didn't handle it right. And that, that's on me. And uh, he was very gracious about it. And uh, as soon as I apologized, we never spoke of it again. And I, I thank him for showing me that grace because uh, I, I was out of line. Uh, the, the other time was, uh, I, was uh, I was fairly early in my career, maybe about two, two years in. And one of the CWF originals uh, who, who's very proud of his in-ring ability and he's very good at what he does. And they, they put us together in the tag tournament. But it was also the first show that we were filming for a Christian TV network. And Rob was like, stick to your times. Do not go over. Mm-hmm. So we're in the match and we had this finish mapped out. And I hear 30 seconds, take it home. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then I hear someone else say, take it home, take it home. And I'm like, okay. So uh, the guy rolls me up and instead of kicking out, I just took the roll up. And I look shocked, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened. They, they roll out of the ring. And my tag partner uh, for the night, uh, the CWF original, he lights me up from the apron. Did you just change the finish of the match? And I was like, I'm wondering if he's in character. And then I realized what he's saying is completely not kayfabe. So I go, <sighs> they said go home, so I took it home. And he goes, I can't believe you went into business for yourself. That's what you always do. That's why you won't go anywhere.
1: Ooh. And he hopped
0: off the ring and he stormed backstage. And I was like, what what's <laughs> that? So uh, funny part is we didn't see each other for a long time. And, and uh, you know, I didn't hate the guy, but I was not excited to see him. I didn't have anything to say to him. And he was booked for a show several months later. And uh, uh, he walks in and I'm like, oh, him, if he shakes my hand, I'll shake his hand. If, uh, if he walks by, I'll let him walk by. I just won't say anything, but I'm not going to be a jerk to him. Uh, he shook the first person he right by the door Then he looked, found me on the other side of the room, walked by everybody else, shook my hand and said, Hey, it's good to see you again. I hope you're doing well. And we never had to talk about it again. I, I was like, cool, we're done. So those are two examples. There was a time where, where I had heat with someone else. And there was a time, uh, where, uh, you know, I had to do the apologizing, uh, with, with Rob and that CWF original. So I've been on both sides of that to answer your question. And, and, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes you got to show grace and sometimes you got to, Uh, uh, ask for grace.
1: Yep, absolutely 100%.
2: So, in the ministry and in in your wrestling, what is the best advice you've ever gotten?
0: (laughs) You got Rob Bond right here. How are you doing, (laughs) Mr. Bond? CWF. Uh, best advice I've ever gotten in ministry and in wrestling? Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I could quote a lot of scripture to you, but one of my favorite uh, pieces of advice is actually a, a quote from uh, Sir Waldo Emerson, uh, who once said, treat a man as he is and he will remain as he is. But treat a man as he could be and he will become what he should be. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you see someone struggling and training in the ring, you can make fun of him and you can be like, man, this guy ain't going anywhere. Or you can share your knowledge with him and treat him like he like you wanted to be treated when you were new and green and didn't know the ropes. Um, the, the other, uh, just the same thing in ministry is, you know, there are a lot of people who, and some people are like, yeah, I'd like to go to church, but I got to straighten up my life. Oh, do you, do you say, All man, right. I, as soon as, as soon as I beat this cancer, I'll go to the doctor. No, nah, man, <laughs> don't straighten <laughs> up your life. And, you know, I've learned to never judge anybody where they are because you don't know where God is taking them. There was a man named Saul who was out there killing Christians, arresting them, throwing them in jail, persecuting them. Yep. And God made such a mighty change in his life that he went on to write more of the Bible than any other singular person and used him to build, help build the church and uh, write the majority of the New Testament and uh, become the number one advocate for Christ, who was once the number one adversary. So uh, yeah, just loving people where they are. All right. But the greatest, great, greatest advice I can give you: repent and believe the gospel. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I, I missed
2: half of it because on my end
0: the uh, it went out. Oh, so. could you still hear me, Nikki D? Oh,
1: I got it all. It was fantastic.
0: Uh, well, Hey, because <laughs> I, I I can repeat it.
2: No. Please, no.
1: <laughs> it's fantastic.
2: Um, of course I work with Foster Kids, so we got some quick take questions. Yeah. Favorite wrestler? Current. And in
0: past. Oh, man, I am a stone cold guy. Um, So as far as past goes, uh, stone colds, I told you, I got into wrestling because I got to vicariously live through people taking matters into their own hands. And ain't nobody took matters into their own hands. Quite like the dude giving his boss a stone cold stunner on a weekly basis. (laughs) Uh, So as cliche as it is, because he's the biggest star of all time, I, I am a stone cold guy of that era, I, I could probably name my top five wrestlers and they'd all be right here from Texas, even though I see your flag in the background. I got to tell you, I used to live right here. And that's how you know I did, because I showed you like that's that. That's right, right I there. Detroit, I used to live West right, I lived, right <laughs> above right here. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was in Bloomfield Hills, just outside of Detroit. Right. Uh, but but uh, yeah, Shawn Michaels, Taker, Eddie, uh, right. those, uh, I, I, I would throw JBL is a big influence in my actual in-ring career. Um, I modeled, you know, uh, having coached gymnastics for 18 years, been an ice skater. I could probably do have done a lot of flippy stuff, but 18 years of destroying my body, I decided to keep it grounded. So guys, I modeled my, my style after obviously Austin, uh, Scott Hall, JBL, Bob Holly were some people I really studied tape on to try and round out my, my style. Um, the current man, I, I just, there are. There's not a better wrestler in the world than AJ Styles today. AJ Styles is the greatest wrestler active today, in my opinion. Not, and it doesn't hurt that he, he spent two years uh, traveling with CWF right before TNA started. I
1: did not know that. I didn't know that either. Well, that's, yeah. good. that's good. I, know, I, I, know, I didn't know until my, my wife told me, actually, that he's a man of faith. Because I knew who yeah. he was and all the things I knew about him. And she's like, yeah, that's why he has the tattoos. And she was explaining all that to me. I said, what? Yeah. And um, there, there was a certain um, message. I, I can't remember what it is, a scripture verse or whatnot. But I, I didn't know that. And I didn't know that he worked with CWF.
0: Yeah, he actually. Uh, so our 20th anniversary show was in May of 2020, which, of course, means it didn't happen. So we did a highlight video and also just did interviews kind of like we're doing right now and just saying, Hey, thank you for 20 years. Of, and we'll be back when we can. And the mm-hmm. very last clip, if you go into our YouTube, you can find that uh, 20th anniversary video. The very last clip pops up the phenomenal one, AJ Styles wishing the CWF a happy 20th anniversary. And nice. we didn't tell nobody it was coming, but it was cool. So yeah, nice. I just, as far as alive today, I, I don't think you get any better than AJ Styles. Or active yep. today, sorry. You're a Roman yeah. Reigns fan? Man, uh, when they were trying to John Cena him, not at all. But uh, uh, the the new direction they've taken him, you, you can't deny what he's doing. It, it's effective. The biggest thing is, you know, is he over? Yeah, he's more over than anybody else in the company right now. Uh, you know, I, as a kid, I hated Triple H. And I look back on it now and I go, he was brilliant. When I was a kid, he was doing the best work of his life. Yep. He was so over. Why did I hate him? Because he was good at what he was doing.
1: He yep. got heat. That's <laughs> and that's he why. Eat. You know, <laughs> you know and the
2: thing is, we talk about people I hate. I talk about hating this guy all the time, and I don't really hate him. But MJF, wow. I hate that guy. But I oh. hate him because, because he's doing good. He's doing what he's He's so good, doing
0: good at what he does. Right. You know? And, and he's, I, he's another guy, uh, like we were talking about earlier, where, man, you don't, you're such a good heel, you don't have to cuss that much, man. No, he He's so good at what you do. I know it's cheap and you don't need to be cheap. Yep. Yep. But he's he he so good at what he does. Although I do he's not good. like
2: him with Adam Cole. I'm, I'm not digging that Adam Cole and him together, but that's okay. All right.
0: I'll throw you a curveball. One of my favorite wrestlers of all time. You ready for this? Uh-huh. Steve Mongo McMichael and hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He, he serves me twofold as a favorite wrestler. Number one, if I start getting really big headed and thinking I'm really good at what I do in the ring, I go watch a Steve Mongo McMichael match and remind myself that guy had a contract and I don't. And it brings me down. Anytime I start feeling like I'm not very good in the ring, I remind myself I go watch a Steve Mongo McMichael match and I go, I'm not doing too bad.
2: So now because you said that, because you said that, I have to ask the
1: oh, nice.
2: the famous TikTok question, because this is where yeah. this all originated from for me. Who is the best WCW champion of all time?
0: David Arquette. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no,
2: that's true. That that is so true. That's what, that's the joke. So you you nailed that. So that's awesome.
0: Um, I, um, I, I don't I don't think you can deny uh, Rick Flair. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, it's got to be Flair. Obviously, not the title reigns in about 2,000 or so, but yeah, it's got to be Rick Flair. <laughs>
2: I love your answer, David Ercutt. That's that's. <laughs> that. um, kids want to know favorite food.
0: Oh man, uh, I I love Mexican food, so I gotta say steak fajitas. I love steak fajitas. Does pineapple belong on pizza? I believe so. I enjoy a good. Now I do the Hawaiian pizza, but instead of Canadian bacon, I like regular bacon and pineapple. I'm uh, especially on a thin crust. There you go. T- favorite cartoon. Ooh, favorite cartoon. Um, oh, for me personally, man, uh, Family Guy. I'm going to be honest. I love Family Guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've just thought about this. Talking about cartoons, every Sunday morning when we woke up, to go to, before we went to bomb Sunday school and church, my mom would put on David and Goliath. And if you haven't seen mm. David and Goliath, you better go look it up. It's this little dude a little dog. And it's just cheap cartoon off of PBS. So
0: find that. <laughs> I'll look it up. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'll look that up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> favorite movie?
0: Ooh. Um, oh, that's a good question. Uh, I've probably seen Step Brothers in Office Space more time than any other movies. I'm big on comedy. Love Tropic Thunder. Uh, but, yeah, I'd probably have to. Oh, but if we're getting out of comedy, um, one of, I, I'm going to say this is my favorite movie, and I'll tell you why. I loved The Prestige. Uh, And the reason I might say it's my favorite movie is because storytelling makes a lot of sense to me. And I think you guys can relate. There's a lot of times you're watching a movie and about halfway through, you're like, oh, it's that guy. The -hmm. Prestige was one of the one times I remember going, what at the end uh uh, with the with the 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 uh, the conclusion and being like my mind is blown and because of that that movie's always had a special place in my heart and uh tombstone and interestingly enough another movie i love that's also uh val kilmer if you haven't seen the ghost in the darkness from 1996 it's worth the watch definitely check out the ghost in the darkness okay oh
1: that one man i know i've seen that that's yeah is the Ghost in the Darkness where they're um, – I'm trying to think. Did that deal with Africa? Yeah, they were hunting lions. They, and it's they were hunt lions. I saw that in the theater. That was it was good. That was good. That was good.
0: The, the, those lions are, are real, and they are stuffed, and I believe they're at the Smithsonian, but they're at some museum.
1: Yeah, that was a crazy movie. So good.
0: You got a little yep. bit more time? Yeah, come on. Okay. Favorite Bible verse? Ooh, man. So uh, I got three that I like to lean on. Uh, uh, One of my favorites is Psalms 91.2, which says he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. And that just reminds me exactly who he is and what he does and that uh, I can rely on him. In moments of uh, loss or or hardship or heartache, uh, I love Job 121, um, Hmm. uh, which says, you know, naked I came into this world and uh, naked I'll go out of it. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, our God. And that one just reminds me, listen, you know, uh, if, if this I've had, you know, as a foster dad, I've come really close to adoption a few times. And then a mom, or an aunt in Mississippi says, oh, I'll take the kid. And then next thing you know, you're, they're gone.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but what after what that verse reminds me is anything I have, even that life in my, my body right now was never belonged to me. It was loaned. To me. My wife is entrusted to me by God. My kids are entrusted to me by God. And if they're ever taken away, well, it's never mind to begin with. And I'm still going to sing his praises because we praise him because of who he is and not what he does. Uh, and lastly, um, Ephesians six, seven, which says serve wholeheartedly as though you're serving the Lord and not man. And that just reminds me whether it's in the ring, whether it's at work, um, you know, sometimes we'll get so discouraged with our job or, you know, whatever it is, or our, even our marriage or our kids. And, it just reminds me that this job or this marriage or whatever it is you're stressed over was once something you were praying and begging God to give you. And just also the way we approach serving in whatever capacity it is, is a reflection of how much we appreciate what God has entrusted us with. So those are my three favorite Bible verses right there.
2: So on your, on your profile, your Facebook profile, I think it's Psalms one. I think. maybe. Yeah. That, yeah. So can you explain that?
0: Yeah, uh, that one, uh, you know, it talks about uh, the Lord preparing your your hands for battle. Um, that one I, I love because Undertaker. If you notice, it's a picture of Undertaker yeah. sitting in the, his ring, and I love that he was professing his faith on uh, WWE uh, documentaries. Uh, what was it called? Uh, the Last Ride. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. bro, he's got a giant Bible verse hanging there. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I, so I love that one. I, I'd be I'd be remiss to not mention the the verse that's printed on my my tights, um, uh, on the back belt loop of my tights, I have the letter C, and the, for the letter O is a purple ribbon, and it says R-Y, spells out Corey. Uh, my buddy Corey passed away at the age of 42 from pancreatic cancer, um, and uh, his, his battle verse was Joshua 1-9. And so I've got a tribute to him, real small, on the back of my tights, and I got Joshua 1-9, uh, which says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous uh, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So um, that's a mighty verse, a great promise. And that's just my tribute to a dear friend of mine who uh, uh, received his his reward uh, a little too early for my liking. But God mm-hmm. bless him.
2: Amen, amen.
0: So you're the founder of the Bible Club.
2: So... Yes, sir. I got to say, that's a sick shirt. I need to get myself (laughs) one, so i probably go over to ProWrestlingTees.com and get get me one, right?
0: We got some there. Yes, sir, we do.
2: (laughs) All right. All right.
1: I was going to ask where you could find those.
0: Yes. uh, Well, let me do a little shameless plug here. This is the original (laughs) Bible Club shirt. As you can tell, it's soft, high quality, very comfortable. We have it in uh, white on black. We also have it in black on white, and you can get yours today at ProWrestlingTees.com. Just search Bible Club. There you go there you go there you go <laughs> where did the name bible club come up from come from well obviously i was ripping off the bullet club <laughs> <laughs> um so uh what what i listen i started at an old age and i'm i'm a might be the world's okayest wrestler uh i'm pretty proud of my body of work but i'm, I'm not going to tear the house down uh, uh you barrett brown it, it will put on matches that'll put me to shame my best matches have been with him I just stand there and don't get in his way but I, I think my best gift uh besides understanding storytelling in wrestling is taking secular wrestling things and making them Christian wrestling things so uh my first tag team uh was me and uh, Harley the mailman Ramirez I'm white he's Hispanic so I decided we should be the Tex-Mex factor and we just <laughs> use uh x-factor's entrance theme And all I did was uh, I just made it instead of a, yo, you dealing with the X factor. And then Uncle cracker came in. I recorded myself saying, Hey, yo, you dealing with the Tex-Mex factor and then kept everything else the same. Um, (laughs) Come up with other ideas like uh, the new Testament outlaws. Uh, That was a good one. Um, But the Bible club came from the bullet club. Um, uh, I was just joking around about it uh, one time and I thought it would make a shirt that I could sell. And then I came up with the idea. Well, i'm selling the shirt why don't i actually start this as a gimmick and that led into that losing streak that lasted nine months i told you about earlier and uh uh i I, you know i was coming up with great ideas about catchphrases and so you know obviously we replaced bullet with bible instead of the chevrons we have bibles uh and i don't know if you can see it on the bottom but instead of guns we have the sword of the spirit instead of bullets down here we have three crosses yeah. And so it just made too much sense. And then, you know, for a while I was trying to get it over with just saying, you know, other clubs talk about bullets, but we don't worry about bullets in the Bible club because my bo- Bible tells me that no weapon formed against me will prosper. And so it just, it was, it, it just came together so well. Uh, but also I just, in the CWF, it, it was going to work. And, uh, you know, I'd gotten over as a heel when I had the cowboy gimmick and I was a face I was over. I was lukewarm over they kind of cared and they'd cheer for me, but I wasn't over. No one was invested. Then I turned on Harley and I got over as a heel because uh, I, it came natural to me. I, I knew how to make people hate me. I'm, a, I'm the youngest of six. I knew how to tick people off. Um, so that worked out well, but I, I've never been over, over as a face until the uh, invention of the Bible club.
2: Nicky, do D, got anything before I ask him about uh, last Saturday's event?
1: Oh uh, gosh, I have too many questions swimming around in my head, and I can't, I can't get one to pop out. I had one a se- like a second ago, and then poof, it's gone.
2: The <laughs> so last week was uh. the tag team tournament, um, the celebration, event, and so. Mm-hmm. If I watched the clips right, you guys came out on top. Yes, sir. And let's let's talk about the new member of the Bullet Club. Luke 9. Luke 9. Let's talk about that. And who's next?
0: Man, that's a great question. Um, so when I first started the Bible Club, uh, Fitz was not uh, my partner in it, uh, Big Fitz. Um, uh There were two younger guys who so I kind of wanted a mentor and disciple who were uh, here in Dallas at the time and uh you know, I was trying to lead them you know to to follow Christ and listen at their age, I wasn't following Christ myself. I get it I was chasing the world it's a very enticing thing to chase uh but when they they moved off uh, elsewhere which i'll I'll leave out so I don't really point to who I'm talking about um uh it, the they were still wearing the gear in, in the promotion they were in and the stuff they're posting on social media and the, the storylines and gimmicks they were doing. I, I just didn't, not that I have some big brand. I want to connect. Nobody knows who I am, you know? Right. Uh, but it's it still with, with my name on it and the Bible club gimmick, I didn't like what they were doing. And so eventually they got new gear and they got, you know, they got away from it. Um, uh, one of them was actually wearing my old tights. And I was like, oh, hey, there's a hole in my tights. You mind mailing those back so that I can wear those while I get these fixed? Just so my tights were no longer associated with that. But mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so I, I brought Fitz into it because I knew he was living out what he believed. And um, there wasn't questionable stuff on social media that was harming the the image of the CWF or us um, you know when we he he was at that other secular company as well and we we behaved as if we were at a cwf show when we were in that locker room um so i that made me be very cautious of who who i bring in and not again not that anybody nationally knows who the heck i am but uh, it was very important to me to protect this thing that god has used to help me go and spread his word uh luke man that dude is a godly father, a godly husband. Um, he 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 lives it in and out of the ring, and so it was very easy to uh, when we we, we I've always wanted it to be a faction and not just a tag team. A club with two people isn't much of a club, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, so so we always wanted to grow it. But the, the first two recruits made me realize I, I needed to make sure. It wasn't just, uh, oh, I'm going to put out the shirt and quote a Bible verse on the way to the ring. Uh, but then, you know, I'm going to post pictures of me partying or a bunch of profanity online and this and that. So uh, he he made it very easy to invite him uh, into the Bible club. And, and uh, I joked with him. I was like, hey, welcome. And he's like, yeah, man, it's so cool. Thanks for letting me be a part. I said, hey, we needed someone to take the pinfalls. And I patted him on the back. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. Um, I, I don't. I didn't mean that though. But I was ribbing him. <laughs>
2: so I noticed that you worked for. Well, you mentioned Tacoma Pro Wrestling and Hope Championship Wrestling. Hope, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about Hope?
0: Hope, yeah. Hope is run by a friend of mine named Marty Miller, um, and he started it a couple of years ago. It's another Christian company um and man he uh, i just truly believe in what he's doing it's, it's hard to get out there being a pastor now because he runs shows on saturdays and he's an hour south of atlanta so getting done with a show at 10 p.m and actually getting on a flight and flying. it so it's it's hard to get out there now uh now that i'm in full-time ministry but i just firmly believe in what he's doing i've seen other small christian companies put on less than desirable shows uh or use the words faith or Christian in their name and nothing about their product or their talent or their production or their beliefs point toward Christ at all, uh, man, Marty's doing everything right. And, and I'm just honored to have worked for him the couple of times I have. And we talk all the time um, uh, about getting the Bible club back out there. And yeah, that, that's, that's one I will gladly go and work. Another good Christian company is uh, Wrestle Against Hunger with um uh, pastor Brent there in Tulsa Oklahoma I've gone and worked with him uh he just has an amazing heart for people uh he's got a church and in his church he has a wrestling school and then they do wrestling shows and they wow. all the money they raise from that they use for the food pantry in their in their church and wow. so just the, all these ministries are feeding into each other and man he just has such a heart for people uh, there was another company in Mississippi uh but they they've stopped running uh shows uh last year i believe but that they they were an amazing group as well and then my buddy randy wayne he he has wrestling uh i'm sorry heroes to legends wrestling in the north carolina uh uh, silva north carolina area and i go out there every chance i get i've only missed one of his shows so far He, he runs twice a year in april and again in october and uh yeah just it's amazing to see this one company 23 years ago start using wrestling to spread the word of god now it's happening all over and it's just it's it's mighty to see that
2: Now, do you think any of those guys would um be okay with me reaching out to them and
0: oh yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, message me afterwards i'll put you in contact with any of them
2: awesome man my last my last wrestling question is regarding cwf i wrote compromises the ministry um by bringing guys in from outside so you guys have to be pretty careful yeah in the ministry to bring on outside talent to work your shows. So uh, you, you know, you mentioned um, Barrett and all those guys. So, and are you, do you guys like handpick them and make and look down there and see what they've been doing? Um, Or do you guys take them from Christian um, organizations or do you bring that, do you have people knocking at your doors?
0: Uh, We get a lot of people reaching out. Uh, Sometimes they're just looking for a booking and, uh, we have, you know, this a response we always send them like, hey, man, we'd love to talk to you more about working with you. A uh, few questions, you know, what's your tell us uh, about your salvation story? Are there any Christian authors you're currently reading? Uh, what church do you attend? So we kind of get a sense of, of if and, and, and of what their walk looks like. That being said, there have also been some guys whose walks aren't going great. But we're a couple years ago, the Lord really put it on our hearts. That we can't just be an outward ministry, but we also need to be an inward ministry. And we have seen wrestlers or referees who, you know, much like Nikki D was saying earlier, and my history uh, repeats that, um, there were times where we were believers, but we weren't really following Christ.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we brought guys in like that, and we just ministered to them and loved on them and discipled them. And we've seen the Lord really work through their life. Um, so it's, it's always a, a discernment. Uh, uh, balancing act to try and figure out um, who's good to bring in. Cause you know, like, like we said, we, we've got to be protective over this ministry and you know uh, you, you're not going to see us any of the guys who are regularly promoted here uh, posting a bunch of profanity or, you know, videos of us doing shots on Facebook. And, mm-hmm. and that's just um, a part of protecting, you know, when the speaking out movement happened, there was one company in the DFW area, you didn't hear nothing from it was right here in the cwf so it's you know it might seem a little over the top at times but um at the end of the day man, we're just we're just trying to protect this ministry so that we don't give people any reason to say oh they're they're it's just a gimmick they're not really about jesus so it's
1: something we got to be cautious of
2: absolutely nikki d any closing remarks for you
1: Yep. And you made me uh, think of something, too, that this was tied into what I was going to ask. And you actually, um, without realizing it, you answered my question. Um, Kayfabe. I remember speaking to my church one Sunday evening uh, where I was covering for the pastor and I brought up kayfabe and I talked about, you know, what that you guys obviously know what that is. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was in the locker room, it was preached on me. It's like, you got a kayfabe. And I was new. I was very green. I'm like, what's that? What's that? You know, because the guy was very aggressive. He's like, you know, you go out there, you can't talk to so-and-so and you need to be this because I was a baby face. I'm like, okay. And so what I talked about was, you know, kayfabe. And I, I I brought that into in the Christian life where we get together on Sundays or Wednesdays or whenever it is that you get together with your brothers and sisters in Christ Yeah, and you you act that way, you know, and is it just, are you kayfabing? And then when you get out in the real world, are you acting different? But just Lord, hearing. That's a word. What, yeah. What you said about when you look at our social media, you're not going to see us taking shots. You're not going to see us, you know, doing, you know, posting vulgar language and stuff like that. Yeah, That means you are who you are when you're with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You are because, you know that's the thing too, is, is another thing I talked about. We may be able to pull the wool over the eyes of some people, but you'll never be able to pull the wools over the eyes of, you know, the one who knows you best because God's always watching. So I love I, that you said that. I love that you said that.
0: I actually early in my, uh, leaving my party ways behind and getting back in my adult walk with God, I actually had a non-believer friend call me out, uh, for that. I was at a friend's birthday party and we're all hanging out and, you know, off color jokes starts coming up. People are and you, whenever dirty jokes start, you're always trying to one up the guy and make everybody laugh louder yeah. than the guy before you. And so uh, I, I I love making people laugh and I've got uh, uh, quite the Rolodex of some some pretty inappropriate jokes. So I'm, I'm jumping into festivities and I tell this one joke and it kills everybody's laughing except this one dude who I didn't know. And he, he's actually since come to God. But at the time he was a non-believer and he was just my buddy's friend. I didn't know him. And he's just staring at me like this. And finally I'm like, did he not get the joke? And I'm like, you see, it's funny because he goes, Oh no, 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 no. I, I got the joke. It's just, it's hard to take you seriously when you tell a joke like that while you're wearing a God's not dead shirt. Mm. And I was like, bro. And he goes, Oh, I'm sorry. Listen, I didn't. And I was like, no man, I needed to hear that. And I've never forgotten that because the way Uh, in in that moment let's say that was the night he he, that was 10 years ago and he's since come to christ but maybe that was the night he easily could have been like i need to give my life to christ and i could have had an opportunity to minister to him but because i decided to fit in with these guys and tell dirty jokes and try and make everybody laugh that lost me an opportunity to minister to him that night and i realized i can never do that again and uh yeah totally changed my perspective on that. So yeah, you, we got to live it out 24 seven. Cause you never know when an opportunity to spread the word of God is going to come your way. And maybe, maybe you're, you're torpedoing it at yourself and you don't even know it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. That's, that's uh, crazy. And I guess uh, I, I'll be honest with you, man. Um, over the last three weeks, the one thing I live for is Monday nights because <laughs> you guys, you guys bring it. And, um, you know, again, you work in this, um, and I work in the emergency shelter. You know, and we we work and work and work. And if you're not careful, you get fall into those traps. I guess yeah. you could say traps. You know, and so Mondays, I I like. Uh, you know, my wife. Like I, again, we don't get the chance to go to Wednesday um, Bible studies and stuff because we have eight kids. Yeah. And you know, yeah. so I'll be honest. I live for this because <laughs> Monday. So we go to church on Sunday. And I can go on Monday. Now I got to figure out how to go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, to get to Friday, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> but you guys are great, and um, I will say, you know, it's my time, and I remember my the first what because I was in youth ministry. The first minute, the first message I preached was about Mary and Martha. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know where I sit down and listen. Yeah, you know, and I get a chance to listen to you guys talk about your salvation and um. And then how it intertwines with the wrestling that you guys do and the stories. And I say that to say this, because I did watch that the match, and then I love what you guys do at the end. It's not over just because the wrestling's over. Rob Vaughn and you guys get into the ring, and you guys, you know, have the word in your hands, and you guys start ministering to these people because. Yeah. Whether there's 300 people in the ring and I'm watching you guys, and if maybe one person got the message, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's worth it because that's what it's- I got told when I was in the youth ministry by my pastor. I had a big youth event, and it was, I thought, I was like, oh my God, there's gonna be 100 people. There was 20. Yeah. And he looked at me and said, Scott, he goes, it's not about the people, how many people are that are here. You can have 20 people here if one Amen. person gets it
0: yeah you know you know. The then, he you start, mentioned
2: that. then he starts talking about my kids you know he goes never stop talking about christ yeah. never talk talking about you know salvation because you don't think your kids are hearing you but i'm telling you what 31 years old i have a 31 year old son i have a 28 year old son and you know they are all the time and i'm yeah. like you know what man thank God I listened to my pastor because I could have stopped easily Yep, I'm doing this, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, yeah. oh, it, yeah. even
0: Even if just for one, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I felt the Lord called me for a couple of years to be a pastor, but I know my past. And I was like, ain't nobody, I'd I have no business preaching to anybody. But it was when my buddy Corey passed and he he was laying on his deathbed. And he said, Johnny, I got to tell you, uh, he had pancreatic cancer. And he said, uh, as I lay in this hospital bed, knowing I will not leave it, I got to tell you two things. Number one, I'm not afraid because I know where I'm going. He said, I'm worried about Jamie and Paige, his wife and daughter, he said, but I'm not afraid. He said, and number two, God is still good. I know it might seem like I'm getting robbed of time on earth, but man, it's like a fast pass at Disneyland. I'm just going to the front of the line. And right then and there, I was like, Lord, if you can help me help one person have that kind of faith on their deathbed, then a life in ministry will be worth it. I'm yours. So it's right. fun, yeah, it's funny you mentioned
2: that. If there's even one, it's worth it. Oh wow. wow, wow. So I'm going to ask you now. Yep. Can you close the show?
0: Yeah, I got
2: I'll, it. Tell you tell people where to find you. Tell people about uh, you. Just close the show. Um, Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. This is Johnny Lawless. He's going to get us out of here. After you stop, after you do the show, um, close it. I'm going to play a little bit of music, and I'll he- meet you in the lobby. Okay. You got it. It's on you, man.
0: All right, guys, I want to thank you all for tuning in to the Huge Bob Freshling Podcast. Um, CWF, if you haven't checked it out and you're not in the Dallas area, go on YouTube. And search CWF Rockwall. That's one word, R O C K W A L L Rockwall. And that is going to be our, our channel. We use it basically as our television station. We put up all of our episodes, all of our shows right then and there. Uh, also, if you don't have a church and maybe you want to do an online church, Live Community Church in Sunnyvale, Texas. I'm the children's pastor there. But yeah, I get to preach big church. Love to share a message with you. Uh, but yeah, CWF, you can also find us on Facebook. Christian Wrestling Federation, or you can go to ChristianWrestling.com.
2: Thank you, guys. Very
1: good.